Hello and welcome to H2 Orthopedics. My name is Mike Begg. I'm a certified physician assistant, a certified athletic trainer. I have a doctorate degree in medical science and over 30 years of experience in sports medicine, orthopedics, and medical education. My goal is to take your orthopedic diagnosis or injury and help you make sense of it. Welcome to H2 Orthopedics. Bang. I'm your host. And our topic today was sent to me on our email, topics at h2orthopedics.com, uh, from Mary. And let's see, Mary sent an email. Uh, thank you, Mary. This is great. Uh, Mary said, hi, Mike. My name is Mary. I'm from Columbia, Missouri. I've uh, been uh, informed about your podcast through my nephew, who is an athletic trainer, who has connections through your clinic in uh, Colorado. And he said that you're really helpful in explaining things in a way that makes sense. Thank you to Mary's nephew. I hope, uh, I don't know who you are, but uh, maybe we've crossed paths, maybe you've been an athletic training fellow here or something, and, and we've been able to, to uh, interact with one another. But thanks for the recommendation. And Mary, I'm here to help. So hopefully I can make sense of what's going on. So you go on to say, Mary says, uh, I am 67, I'm pretty active, and my shoulder hasn't been great for some time. I've tried some physical therapy, but it's been hit and miss, and it's been getting worse over the last six to eight months, maybe even up to a year. I uh, saw an orthopedic surgeon here in Missouri where I live. She gives me his name, but I'm not going to say it. And he said I needed my shoulder replaced. Is this true, or can you at least explain to me what the treatment options are or where I am in the spectrum of getting better? It's pretty painful I can't sleep at night. I have difficulty moving it. It's difficult for me to do the things I need to do throughout my day. Um, and But most of all, it's sleeping at night that's becoming a main issue. So absolutely, Mary, I am here to help. And again, tell your nephew hi for me. Um, have him send me an email or, or text me or something if he has my number so I know who he is. But uh, you bet. This is a pretty common injury for, I'll say, 50 or older patients. Um, you don't have to have had prior injury to your shoulder, but sometimes you have. Uh, the shoulder joint, just like any other joint, can wear out. So let's, uh, as per H2O format, we'll go back and st start talking about normal anatomy. So we've uh, talked about the shoulder in the best way for me to describe it uh, without having you sit in front of me or being able to, to show you a model is for you to take your left hand, <clears throat> point your left fingers towards the sky, and cup your fingers just a little bit. Uh, if you make a cup there, you're looking at the side of your hand. You're basically looking at your thumb and the side of a cup. That's going to be your socket. Take your right hand, make a fist. Put your right hand into the center of your left hand. That's going to be the ball side of the shoulder joint. So left hand is socket or glenoid. Right hand is ball or humeral head. Makes a ball in socket. In this case, kind of a ball on socket because the socket isn't very deep in our shoulder. Ball and the socket are coated with cartilage. We call it articular cartilage. I tell patients don't worry about that word articular because it's not a common word for them. But think about the word arthritis because when you lose your articular cartilage, you have arthritis. That's the physical description or definition of what arthritis is, the loss of that coating cartilage. There's also another rim of cartilage around the, the, the edge of that socket called the labrum. We won't talk too much about that. Um, but the loss of that coating cartilage is what arthritis is, and that's what Mary likely is suffering from. 
The uh, rest of the shoulder from the tip of your thumb over the top to three o'clock is where the rotator cuff tendons would come off the shoulder blade. Remember the socket is part of the shoulder blade. So those muscles are going to come off the far side of the shoulder blade coming towards us. If we're looking at the palm of the left hand and they're going to attach onto the knuckle area of the right hand on these special bumps called tuberosities. The rotator cuff tendons attached to the tuberosities. And if you have an injury or concerned about rotator cuff issues, uh, we have another episode that talks about those specifically and gives more detail on that anatomy. But if we go back to Mary's problem of a shoulder that has arthritis, that coating cartilage has worn off to the point where it sounds like her orthopedic surgeon thinks that that's her main issues and she needs to have that addressed. And currently, unfortunately, we don't have a good option uh, to regrow that cartilage in a general sense, front to back, you know, top to bottom. It's worn out in general. It's called arthritis and we don't have a great option as far as, you know, non-operative or even injections to grow that cartilage back. We can treat the symptoms of pain and inflammation. uh, And with physical therapy, we can likely improve a range of motion and strength, but we can't get the cartilage to grow back. So the cartilage itself, the articular cartilage itself, both on the glenoid socket side and ball or humeral head side, it doesn't have a nerve supply to it. So it's not what hurts. Inflammation around the joint uh, and then potentially bony inflammation or edema because that, that coating cartilage has a little bit of a shock absorption. And even though the shoulder is not a weight-bearing joint, when we use it, we lift, push, and pull, there is a compressive force and you can actually cause inflammation in the bone when you don't have that cushioning um, and it can cause pain. Um, what happens in the shoulder is because we're humans and we're trying to live life in a comfortable manner, we avoid ranges of motion that cause pain. And the shoulder, the way it's made up and, and fits with the rest of our body biomechanically is pretty easy to cheat. We can, you know, if we can't move the ball in the socket, we can lift the whole shoulder blade away from the rib cage and we can alter or change the way we, we get through the day. We can use our elbow in ways that you know, it, it can work, but maybe shouldn't work uh, and substitute some motions at the elbow that the shoulder should be doing. And unfortunately, the shoulder will get stiff if we don't take it through a full range of motion, go to the extremes of all the directions it can go, at least occasionally or a few times throughout the day to keep it limber and moving. And when you have an arthritic shoulder, uh, the end stages, the actual ball starts to change shape and, and the glenoid, the socket starts to change shape. The ball kind of slides backwards And we see on x-ray or CT scan sometimes that you have more wear to the backside of the socket than you do anywhere else in those advanced stages where we start talking about replacing the joint. And again, I don't have Mary's x-rays or CT. I can't tell you if that's going on there, but that's what happens. The the shoulder gets stiff. um, The bone starts to see increased inflammation or gets irritated. And bone spurs will start to form around, usually off the bottom side of the ball, uh, we, it almost looks like a beard. So sometimes we call it a beard osteophyte or a bone spur. And then that glenoid or the socket side will occasionally start to wear out mostly in the back. It almost looks like you have two um, kind of layers or two parts of your socket, one mostly in the back and one which isn't actually normal. So anyway, the, the shoulder can get stiff and sore. And then ultimately you get weak because you can't take your arm through the full range of motion and you start to have aches and pains other places along the spine, at the edge of the shoulder blade, up into your neck. Headaches are a really common complaint with shoulder arthritis or shoulder problems simply because you're using the, the shoulder in a manner that you are trying to avoid pain, but it's not a normal way to get through the day. And the neck muscles, the elbow muscles, the 
know, muscles that come off your spine and attach to your shoulder blades start to get overworked. And then they start to talk back in levels of pain and spasming and trigger points and those kind of things. So a quick review, normal anatomy is that ball sitting in the socket uh, with the rotator cuff over the top, the capsule underneath, but the ball and the socket are coated with articular coating cartilage. Arthritis is pretty simple. It's the loss of that cartilage. And it can come from an injury, poor biomechanics. It can come from just normal wear and tear. If you uh, use your arms aggressively, there's, there's multiple ways that you can develop arthritic condition in your shoulder. Uh, but in general, just think that that coating cartilage is gone. And at the end stages or the more advanced stages, sometimes the bone on both sides, the ball and the socket side of the shoulder joint will start to change shape. And they, you know, square peg in a round hole kind of idea. They just don't work well together because they're not the same shape. They don't match up like puzzle pieces in a normal shoulder. So that's, an, that's a, a brief overview of normal anatomy and pathologic anatomy. How do we work this up? How do we find out that you have arthritis? Typically, it's pretty easy. You know, we look at your age, we look at your activity level, and we look at your chief complaint, um, and then we we evaluate your shoulder. How far can you move it? And typically, the, the arthritic shoulder has less range of motion than a normal shoulder. It's kind of, it's, it's almost comical. It's kind of fun to point out to people that, you know, we'll ask them to bring their, their arms straight out in front of them, and their say their left shoulder is normal, their right shoulder is the injured or the arthritic shoulder. Left shoulder goes all the way to the top. The right shoulder goes out straight out in front of them. And then they just lean back. They tilt backwards, trying to give the impression that that right arm is going higher. Where in true, you know, truly, it's kind of stuck there. It's not going any higher, but they just kind of lean back or arch their back to, to kind of fake themselves or fake me out that they have more motion than they do. Same thing going to the side. They raise their arm out to the side. The good arm will go 90 degrees or straight out. That's on the left side. The right side goes 60 degrees. And then they tilt their, their body to the side because they want that arm to go, go higher, but it physically can't. And again, those bone spurs are usually kind of knocking together and causing problems. So we look at your shoulder examination of range of motion, usually limited. We check your strength and strength becomes a really important thing here. Uh, when we start talking about treatment options that we need a, a rotator cuff, those muscles over the top of the shoulder to be intact and healthy. If we're going to do what we call an anatomic shoulder arthroplasty or air quotes, a normal shoulder replacement. Um, if the rotator cuff is injured or torn, then we start talking about something called a reverse replacement. And we'll have another episode on reverse versus anatomic here, you know, shortly. So, uh, Mary, I'm going to assume just for the sake of, of discussion here that your rotator cuff is intact. It's checked out in the office by checking your strength and your range of motion. Again, your motion won't be full, but if you can generate good power and good strength, we can assume your rotator cuff's intact. If we're questioning that, an MRI is indicated to, uh, to look and see. So let's just jump forward, assuming your cuff's okay, and then we get some x-rays. We're going to get x-rays of your shoulder, and that's going to be the, the first clue to really solidify this diagnosis of arthritis. So typically at least three angles. Uh, so front to back and then kind of a diagonal front to back and then an x-ray that shoots up from your armpit called an axillary view. And that's the one where we can see that extra uh, bony growth or that shifting of the ball towards the back of the socket, creating another articulation, another joint surface almost. And in the advanced cases, that's where we look at that on that what we call axillary view. If we're really concerned about bony deformity or advanced changes in the shape of the bone, a CT scan is definitely necessary. So the surgeon is ready when he gets into the operating room 
to, uh, to correct those problems either by special components or pieces that we put in there, sometimes bone grafting or augmentation in, in different ways. So an x-ray may lead to a CT scan. And again, the MRI we get often if we worry about that rotator cuff because we don't, we don't want to do an anatomic replacement in a shoulder where the rotator cuff is compromised um, because it will cause problems down the road. All right, so from what Mary's told me, she needs a shoulder replacement. So I'm going to assume that the x-ray showed that the, the cartilage is gone. And what that means on x-ray is that the space between the two bones is, is gone. And in more advanced cases, again, the bone spurs or osteophytes will start to form. Uh, the humeral head will have that inferior directed beard type osteophyte. And then the glenoid will start to flatten and then even start to, to have a, a different articulation or different joint surface towards the back. The head slips towards the back. So those are x-ray findings. Uh, so those are Mary's, uh, uh, that's what that's what she gives me up to speed. I'm making this up because I don't know for sure I don't have her x-rays, but I'm going to assume all this. So her doctor said, yeah, Mary, we can do a couple of things. Hopefully, and it sounds like she's already been down this road, they can try a conservative course of treatment. So what does that mean? That means Mary would see a physical therapist and she would go through exercises to improve her range of motion Again, maybe if a losing battle if she has a bunch of bone spurs and deformity to the joint, but try to improve the range of motion and normalize the range of motion, not only the ball and socket joint, but to stabilize the shoulder blade, stabilize the scapula so it has a good, the arm has a good base to work off of. And you can take the stress off those muscles that are probably starting to talk to her in the form of a trigger point or, or spasms. So range of motion and strengthening with physical therapy, trying to decrease the inflammation and normalize the mechanics of the shoulder as much as we can, knowing that it may be somewhat of a losing battle depending on the change of shape of the bones. An injection, so corticosteroid injections or anti-inflammatory medication injections is certainly reasonable and it may buy her some time or maybe a ladder in therapy to go from one level to the next if we can decrease range or we can decrease inflammation, we can maybe improve her range of motion and improve her strength. Again, these are all are reasonable options. Modifying her activity, we've been throwing there as well. But if she's failed at that, and I'm going to give Mary the credit that she has because she kind of mentioned that, uh, then surgery is is likely the next reasonable choice for her. She can live with it. It's not a life threatening problem, but it's definitely painful. Uh, it's a nuisance to not be able to sleep through the night, and that becomes a health issue if it becomes chronic. And then um, the best part is the surgery is every surgery is a big deal, but this surgery is fairly straightforward. I don't want to say simple or easy because that's that would be misleading, uh, but it's fairly direct as far as what we're doing and how we fix the problem. Recovery is usually pretty quick, and patients are super happy when they have their shoulder replaced and get rid of that pain and restore that normal mechanics, which allows everything to go back into place. And, and overall, those muscle spasms and all the things that she's been dealing with, sleeping through the night, all these things come back pretty quickly within a few months after surgery and, um, and they're happy. So if you get to the operating room, what they're going to do, and this is called an anatomic shoulder replacement. Again, if your rotator cuff is compromised or torn and not fixable, they're going to have to change and do what's called a reverse shoulder replacement or arthroplasty. We'll talk about in a second or, or at another episode, I guess. Um, but the anatomic replacement, an incision in the front of the shoulder, and they're going to separate the muscles of your deltoid and your pectoralis. Don't worry about that. It's a natural void there. There's some vessels there that have to be super careful with, but we go down and we get into the shoulder joint. To get there, they will release the front rotator cuff tendon. So intentionally release that tendon, either take it the tendon from the bone or take a piece of bone with it from the front of the shoulder, a little bump called the lesser tuberosity. And we kind of fold that back or open the door 
and then rotate the ball into that door, into that window that we've created. Remove the ball, just the very top part, just the part that has cartilage, normally has cartilage on it, your cartilage is gonna be missing. They take that bone away, put a shaft or a metal rod, if you will, down the center of the bone, and it has a little plate on the end of it. Artificial or metal ball will be placed onto that plate. The plate has a little post, and then the, the uh, humeral head goes onto that post. So anyway, you basically will trade out your worn out, you know, bony ball with no cartilage on it for a shiny uh, cobalt chrome metal ball. And on the socket side, we'll take out the labrum. We have to take out the long head of the biceps, which is part of the labrum. We, we reattach the tendon just down below, kind of at the bottom of this bone cup where the humeral head is taken off. So it works just fine. Uh, we take out the labrum, which is the rim of cartilage. It typically is kind of chewed up and used up anyway. And we smooth off this, the glenoid. So we flatten out the glenoid. If it's really worn in the back, they may have to augment, put some bone or have a special piece back there. And then we would put a plastic socket on the socket side or on the glenoid side. So when we're done, the metal ball rubs on that plastic socket. So we resurfaced. We didn't replace the whole joint. We've resurfaced the head and the, the ball and the socket or the glenoid side of the joint. Now, we have to close the window. So we take that rotator cuff that we've lifted off, either with or without a piece of bone that's surgeon dependent, and we fix it back where it came from. And there's different techniques, but I'll just say, usually we would uh, use very strong suture or stitches. Sometimes those stitches go in to the center of the bone, into the marrow portion of the bone, which has kind of been hollowed out for that, for that rod to fit down in. And some surgeons will take the sutures around that metal rod and then back out the bone uh, to grab onto that rotator cuff tendon uh, to fix it down. The bottom line, it's fixed very securely. Obviously, if you have compromised rotator cuff tissue, it's challenging. But uh, if the tendon's in good shape and the, we can fix it back down, that fixation is very secure. But that's really what we're worried about in the recovery. The ball and socket side of things are pretty much done in the operating room. Um, the rotator cuff has to heal back down, and then obviously the skin and the, the tissues right below the skin have to heal, but that happens in the first couple of weeks. So the recovery is fairly quick. We need to protect that front rotator cuff, so they're not going to let you rotate your hand away from your belly or probably use that tendon for a few weeks, even a month or so. Uh, but the rest of the shoulder can move with the aid of physical therapy. We want to get your motion back and reestablish normal range of motion as that tendon's healing. And then after the tendon's healed enough, we can start to put some force to it, build up your strength. And then fairly quickly, I'm gonna say typically by three or four months down the road, everybody's different. Don't hold me to three or four months. Uh, but three or four months down the road, patients come in and see us, their incisions heal, the rotator cuff is healed, and they're moving on, they feel good. They may have some work to do, depending on what they bring to the table or how deep of a hole they've dug prior to surgery range of motion, stiffness, weakness, those type of things. We get to dig out of that hole. But most of the time patients say, man, this is, I should have done this you know, five years ago. This is great. Not a piece of cake. It's a big surgery. It's a big thing to go through, uh, but it's really successful. And those are some of the happiest patients that I've ever worked with. Uh, the shoulder replacement patients are super happy, especially the anatomic. Uh, the reverse, there's some limitations sometimes, but they're also very happy, uh, but just a different scenario. So that's an anatomic total shoulder arthroplasty. So Mary, I don't know your specifics. Um, you didn't send me all the details and, and you don't need to. I hope that answers your questions. 
Uh, if not, yeah, go back to that topics at hgorthopedics.com. Send me another message through the email or go to our website and, and let me know if you have further questions I can clarify for you. Uh, but that's the that's the basic idea. So uh, just to quickly review, the problem is arthritis. Arthritis is a loss of the coating cartilage. We can see that on x-ray. We can see some of the bony changes that happen when you lose that, that cartilage because of the forces that are you know, distributed in an inappropriate way across the joint. The body will respond to that. Bone spurs will form, deformity of the joint. That cartilage missing shows up on x-ray. It's bone on bone instead of cartilage on cartilage. Sometimes a CT scan, sometimes an MRI if we're looking at bony deformity and or the rotator cuff. Want to make sure everything is, is known before you get to the operating room. You go in there, we lift off that front rotator cuff, we rotate the ball out of the little window we made, we put a little shaft of metal down the, down the center of the bone, put a ball on top of that, replace the socket, correcting any bony deformity on the socket side, and then close everything up. And once that rotator cuff heals and you are getting your range of motion, strength, and function back, you are one happy camper. So, Mary... Hope that made sense to you. Hope you uh, have a quick and speedy recovery if you choose to go forth with the surgery. But now you understand what's going to happen in there. And uh, let me know if you have other questions. And tell your nephew hi for me. All right, there it is. That's a shoulder arthroplasty or total shoulder replacement. Again, just replacing the surfaces. Um, If you have any other questions or if you have a topic like Mary did, please send me an email. Send me a a message. You can go to our website at h2orthopedics.com or you can email me at topics at h2orthopedics.com and uh, I will answer your question. And if it's uh, something I think others have, if it's a common question, we'll do another episode here. If not, I'll try to just get get you a quick answer back with another reply email. So until I talk to you again, do your best to stay healthy, stay active, and put a smile on someone else's face. Thanks. See ya. Hey, it's Mike here. I hope this episode is helping you out and answering some questions. If I'm not hitting every topic right on for you, if there's something specific that you have about your injury uh, or you want to discuss unique findings on the exam or your history, your MRI, your x-rays, whatever it might be, head to our website at h2orthopedics.com and scroll to the bottom for an opportunity to sign up for a virtual visit where we can either have a Zoom call, we can do a telephone call, whatever it might be, and we can discuss the specifics of your injury in more detail and hopefully get the answers you're looking for. Again, that's h2orthopedics.com. Scroll to the bottom for the virtual visit, and I will talk to you next.